cry about not getting a brand with Better Buddies. Welcome back to Better Buddies. Uh, I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker. What snack did you used to love as a kid, but fell out of love with as you got older? Oh, man. That's a good question. So, mm. I've got one from when I was like a little, little kid. Yeah, go for it. So, as a little, little kid, I really liked eating frozen peas. Okay. And uh, it would be one of those things like I do like first thing in the morning. I just go to the freezer and grab some uh, <laughs> to the point where my parents started. Like I called them my good morning peas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cute. I love that. Uh, but like as I got older and became a pickier eater as a child and just didn't like things in general and what I have you, uh, I just stopped doing it. And I realized, oh, yeah, I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> So, like, do you remember why no. you liked doing that? Like, was it just... Why does a little kid eat anything? <laughs> I guess. I mean, you, James, you've seen the stories, right, yeah. of little kids who are, like, they ask for, like, their apple sliced, and then you slice their apple, and then they cry because you sliced their apple. I've never heard of that before. Well, not that specific, but it's the instance of, like, the kid is in a bad mood to begin with, so no matter yeah. what, they're gonna be in a bad mood, so they're gonna complain about the thing they asked you to do. Yeah, that's I do love that about uh, about kids where they they do really just operate on a completely different level, um, and there's like because of you know social customs, like you have to kind of let them. Well, it's not even social customs; it's just like it's, you, there's no way you just for them can't to logic get out and of reason the with a child. Children haven't learned <laughs> logic and reason yet. Yeah, it's like if you went to a like Looney Tunes cartoon. And said, "No, the Roadrunner can't keep like can't run through the painting. The Roadrunner doesn't know any better. It doesn't operate on real world logic." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's very um, it's very one track, and I think it's I think it's more like um, as well. It, it's it's like maybe it's literally the fact that their body has never had the experience of like that emotion or at least yeah. like it's very new to them so it's like it's almost a way of like them naturally seeking out the kind of like teleological end of the emotion and then as I mean, they go think about how older, long it took for you to like learn about even just how to recognize your emotions and regulate them let alone yeah. like, make healthy choices about them <laughs> yeah i know oh my god like tell me about it i'm, I'm never gonna fault a kid it. no i mean but no. yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other snacks that I really like. I would, I, for me, it would be like yogurt. Oh. I used to eat a lot of yogurt when I was a kid. Um, and actually it was really good too because my mom would do the thing where she would take like, like she would get like plain vanilla like yogurt, but then she would just get jam, like regular Ooh. jam or jelly. And you put that at the bottom of your cup and you put oh. the plain yogurt on. And you kind of make your your own thing, basically. That's so I haven't smart. done that. In a while. Yeah, it was it was really really good. I, I 
highly recommend it. It's actually making me want to go back to it. <laughs> but yeah, I used to eat a lot of the yo plate, like yogurts and stuff like that when I was a kid. See, and that's one of the things, like, I always, I didn't eat a ton of yogurt as a kid. It always was just a little too sour for me to like it. Like, mm-hmm. it was fine, but I was never craving yogurt. But now it's like, okay, add a touch of sweetness, a little bit of jam in there. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, and it's good if you get that, like, the kind of some of the more natural stuff. The big brands are pretty good, honestly. I haven't had, honestly, I don't think I've had yogurt in, like, years. Yeah. <laughs> so, maybe I'll go back to it. I'm trying to think if there's any, like, packaged snacks that I was really into that I just, like, fell off. I think, you know what it is? Fruit, by, fruit, mm. uh, fruit roll-ups. Oh, man, they used to be everywhere. Like, I liked them as a kid because they were fruit Mm roll-ups. And, like, you like all those fruit things. But, like, if I had to pick between Fruit by the Foot, Gushers, and Fruit Roll-Ups, I'm never going to pick Fruit Roll-Ups. What was the difference between Fruit by the Foot and Fruit Roll-Ups? Weren't they the same thing? They were kind of. uh, Their textures were a little bit different, consistency a little bit different. uh, But the Fruit by the Foot was rolled up real thin, right? It was like the long yeah. tape almost, whereas fruit yeah. roll-ups were like the rectangle that you got, like the fat rectangle that you would then put gushers in and roll up and pretend to smoke. <laughs> oh man, dude, I'm like forgetting about this. That's hilarious though. I love that. Gushers are amazing. Gushers are such a good idea for a candy. Holy they're... shit, I forgot about those. <laughs> you do make a good point, though, that they're just candy. They're just candy. <laughs> <laughs> they, repa- they repackaged gummy candy and said, look, it's an afternoon snack. What are you talking about? It's fruit flavor. It gives the kids energy, see? Yeah, it's a, you're <laughs> yeah. daily serving a fruit alongside 300 servings of sugar. What are you, an idiot? What are you, a <laughs> communist? We got some uh, healthy corn syrup. It's the latest fad. Yeah. <laughs> I like these kids. kids love these corn. cows. They love it. Fat, happy cows. <laughs> Sir, those are school children. <laughs> ah, uh, ah. No, no, no. Oh. See here, there's a brand on their forehead. <laughs> That's yeah, a cow. Hmm. <laughs> First year against corn syrup. Next year telling me that I can't brand children, consumers. I mean, children. And it's only it a slippery like slope from there. To me. Yeah. Slippery slope from there to full blown communism. It sounds like you're being might unpatriotic, my friend. It sounds like you could use some re education. <laughs> Quick, send him to the corporate seminar in Siberia. <laughs> God, can you imagine oh, if, like, <laughs> after the Cold War, the U.S. and Russia completely switched their like labels. Nothing else oh, like... changed. <laughs> so Russia claimed to be going full capitalist, and America went "quote unquote" full communism, but functionally nothing changed. <laughs> Say, friend, sounds like you're speaking up against the state. We have the freedom to do that here, in the right ways. <laughs> Please join me in Siberia uh, for some more learning. <laughs> Sorry, friend, you signed. <laughs> you signed the terms and conditions. I mean, the Constitution. <laughs> I'm afraid that you're going to have to learn how to properly use your phone in an internment camp. 
you know, say, friend, that, do you want to participate uh, in the free market? Then you need to free the shackles of your mind and learn how to best help the state. <laughs> See, I think I I think it would be like uh, it would be like a corporately backed uh, sort of co- it would be corporate communism is what it would be. It would almost be It'd like be a corporatocracy. Yeah, it would. It would be a corporate. I mean, to a degree, like not to be the hippie, but like that is kind of what the the United States is uh, today. Uh, to a degree, yeah. I mean, what yeah, there Marvel are predicted that back in the nineties. Yeah, well, Marvel's at the forefront, man. They know what's going on. Did you know the Library of Congress is over a hundred and forty thousand issues of comic books? Yeah, dude. Uh, like three months ago or some shit, a senator swore in on a. Ish- uh, uh, Library of Congress issue of Superman number one. Really? Mm-hmm. I saw that initially, and I kind of balked at the headline. I was like, "Oh my god!" But thinking about it, well, to be fair, kind of like I actually read the article. He didn't just swear in on it. Like when they swear in, oh, they can okay. select a couple different things that are important to them. So he had a Bible, oh. I think, but he also had the copy of Superman and like a photo of his family. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that they could have like a. What would you swear in on? Um. A. Uh, ooh, what would I swear in on? I think I would swear in on a player's handbook from Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. Love it. Um, and I'm debating. Do I swear on a copy of Spider-Man 2099? No, I'd swear on Amazing Fantasy 15 if they had a copy. Otherwise, Spider-Man number one. And a photo of my family. Or maybe one of my dad's promotional business cards, <laughs> of which he has many. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I got reasons behind all of it. But I want to hear what you'd swear on in first. first. Um. Well, so obviously the, like, First, the Bible. Second would probably be. Oh, let me think here. Oh my gosh, there are so many books. Um, yeah, second would be Fear and Loathing <laughs> by Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then third would be. Um, yeah, it would be a photo of my family as well. Hell yeah. And maybe if there was another one, I would do. Uh, uh, season a season one DVD of Community. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we'd be in good hands. Uh, yeah, that's me, baby. So my what are your reason. So my reason is the player's handbook for Dungeons and Dragons is, and maybe it'd be a first edition player's handbook. Um, the player's handbook explains all the rules for Dungeons and Dragons for players, but it also has stuff for DMs, and it has the as a DM myself, it's kind of that sacred charge, right? Of like, I, as a DM in Dungeons and Dragons, you control all the power. You create the world for the players. You are the god. And like, it's your story. So if you decide to get pissy and go nuts with power, you can literally just say like, oh, lightning strikes your character and you're dead. That's it. Game over. It's the Mm -hmm. ultimate, like... Not the ultimate, but it is an ultimate indicator of what someone does when given unlimited power. Like, you're literally handing them wow. all the power. How do they handle it? Do they handle it to enrich and enjoy, like, give other people happiness? Or do they use it for selfish ends? Hmm. Um, Spider-Man is Spider-Man. Great power, great responsibility. 
and then photo the family is family, right? Yeah. I love that. What about you? So I would do, uh, well, again, I think, you know, the Bible kind of goes without saying, just give grounding, you know, cause it's kind of like, at least in the West, it's, it's Are you sort saying of, you're part of the, the theocratic structure? I am saying, well, as a Catholic, I would I would technically be aligned with that, I suppose, in some way, yes. But I, I'm more You're a part of the machine. To, I'm a more than anything. I am a disciple more than anything of stories, and yeah. I think that the Bible is like the ultimate. Like it, it's like the greatest like story anthology that we have in the Western canon. It kind of laid the foundation for a lot of what we do and, and who we are. I'd probably and, use the phrase most significant over greatest, but I get what you mean. Yeah. Most significant is yeah. it's like, this is not like necessarily a qualitative evaluation. It's, it's kind of like saying like, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, Potatoes are the greatest. Yeah. Kind of. It's like, yeah, it's kind of like saying that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just like a very versatile food that you can use and they kind of, they're kind of in a way the greatest or substantive but anyway so that and then i would do fear and loathing because even though i do align myself with like you know these values like and virtues and i do believe in them i'm also like flawed but that story is about like a flawed man living in a flawed country who wants to see it get like a little better um even if he might not be able to cure himself he wants to try and figure out if there's any way help people around him so and that's a kind of a generous uh reading of fear and loathing um but a lot it's of also, people would say it's about drugs yes that and is the consumption what of it is it, it definitely is but that that's also that plays into you know well i'm not gonna rationalize that like yeah it's, it's about a guy who does a bunch of drugs and goes to las vegas and kind of has like a breakdown um but uh you know name me a more american story than that <laughs> true um but uh yeah yeah it's a great it's a great modern kind of american odyssey um and then photo of the family uh that was you know that that's obvious like you said you know family is it's kind of like everything that people you go to and turn to uh, when you need help the most and then Finally, if I was allowed a season one DVD of Community, because after my most recent rewatch, I'm convinced that it is like one of the best television shows ever written. Uh, the creator is from Wisconsin, so I got to pay homage to a fellow uh, Homelander. And then, uh, uh, yeah, it's also Community itself is also sort of about stories and how they're told. Um, and uh, it's a nice like bookend with that kind of uh uh that whole little little collection so yeah nice i think if i had to pick a tv show i'd pick season three of parks and recreation oh why is that um a it's the season where it really started to like pick up like if season one was okay season two it finds its footing season three ben and chris are mainstays and everything is right with the world um but it also exemplifies what the goal of government is as a whole show, right? Of the, these are people who are involved in government for a bunch of different reasons at the local <laughs> level. Some of them, like Leslie and Ben and Chris, like, it's their passion. They love helping people and working and making things work and serving the community. For some, like Ron, it's, we need to be 
logical and reasonable and make smart choices and not (laughs) overextend. For some, like April, Andy, and Tom, they fell into it, but also ultimately end up helping. So it's, I don't know, it just kind of is what government should be, right? Like, serves the people. Yeah, I love that. I think that's um, that's incredibly well said and well put. Thank you. Our oh. next segment, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Who would like to start? Would you like to start? You can go first if you want to. Ah, fuck. Okay, well, that's probably for the best because mine is a bad recommendation for a bad oh. show. Oh no! Bad is in like poorly. Bad made, is bad it's a good. Like, I'm recommending it because I enjoyed it, but I don't know that many other people will like it. Let's hear it. Agent Elvis. Oh my god! I saw the trailer for this like uh, it's like so a few dumb weeks ago. Yeah, isn't that McConaughey? Yeah, it's Matthew it, McConaughey. That is okay. So yeah, so like it. I'm not gonna lie. It kind of gave me like Archer clone vibes. But like, tell me what you thought of it. Uh, like I, so I thought it was like a cross between Archer and Inside Job, but a okay. little cruder than both. Okay. Um, the basic premise is Elvis is moonlighting already as a vigilante. <laughs> Okay. Like him, his uh, southern sidekick, Billy Ray. Billy Ray? Bobby Ray. I think it's Billy Ray. And his monkey, um, Scatter, (laughs) are going around fighting crime. (laughs) When they get recruited by the agency. I don't remember what the agency's name is, but it's like one of those like super generic named the control agency or whatever. And this agency has normal super spies, but it also recruits famous people to use their fame and skills as, like, covert operatives. Okay, I love it. Um, One of the neat things, the show was produced by Priscilla uh, Presley. Yeah. And one of the neat things, I think, with the main, like, trio of male characters because after like the first episode a female character is introduced as like elvis's foil uh but mm-hmm. of the trio of like elvis's main three one is elvis at his most rock stardom right mm-hmm. one is the like super mechanical hick he's elvis's like home roots because elvis is from tennessee he grew up around people like that Mm-hmm. And then the monkey is super drug and sex obsessed, which is Elvis's worst qualities. I didn't even think about that. That's a that's a great connection to make, RJ. That's yeah. really well done. And I don't know shit about Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. I didn't even think about okay. I I do remember from the trailer, I'm not gonna lie, I really like the animation. I like the animation was great. That was one of the things that really drew me in, right? It because it goes back to that (laughs) um similar stylings as Archer Mm -hmm. without being an Archer clone like some of the other Netflix shows have been. Yeah, it reminded me it it, yeah, it it did have like some of that in it. it. It reminded me too of like um I'm not gonna lie. Um it's not quite like this, but it reminded me of it for some reason. It reminded me of the 
love death and robots episode um zima blue do you remember that one at all i've never Did seen, you love seen death and robots oh fuck then i'm not gonna tell you um it's a really good show you should watch it but it, it just this very like stylized um like kind of like 2d animation i think it looks really good it reminds me a lot of how like it's interesting and i i would love for someone to do maybe one day i will but someone to talk about that aesthetic that really dominated in like the late 90s to the early to mid 2000s on like cartoon network and nickelodeon of like i'm thinking like fairly odd parents my life is a teenage robot um i mean danny phantom like some of these were made by the same people it was almost like like, um oh shit what's the harpuff girls dexter's lab stuff like that what's the 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 art style of borderlands and borderlands 2 it's the um oh like cell shaded cell shaded not quite cell shaded but like I know yeah. what the style you're referring to isn't quite cell shaded, but like with those very distinct black lines around things. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it, it reminds me a lot of like that. And there were a lot of those shows that came out, you know, that had that kind of like style where it's like, it's almost like emphasizing the fact that it's 2D, but because of that, it has this like life of its own. Like it doesn't seem flat. It's ve- like the images are really, very appealing to watch. And, like if I'm remembering correctly, the the Elvis, this Elvis, uh, uh, what's it called again? Agent Elvis. Agent Elvis seemed to have a similar style to that, which I kind of liked. Uh, I want to read off some of the cast to you. You've got yeah. uh, Matthew McConaughey as Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. Uh, the female agent who is a supervisor is CC Ryder, played by Caitlin Olson. Priscilla Presley oh. plays herself. Oh. Um. Johnny Knoxville as Bobby Ray, his sidekick. This is a good cast. <laughs> Don Cheadle as the commander. Uh, Jason Manzukis as Howard Hughes, their scientist. That's awesome. Holy shit. Um, Tara Strong does a bunch of voices. Baz Luhrmann is the director. <laughs> That's funny. Um... <laughs> Gary Cole plays President Nixon. Wow. Ed Helms plays Robert plays Robert Goulet. Fred Armisen oh is gosh. Charles Manson. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I want to see this as like a live action cast. That would be amazing. That's awesome. That's um, a re- I, yeah, so the cast ha- is like, so good. How is it? Like, how is the actual show? Like, um, you gotta thoughts? be okay. It's it's got this weird line of smart and crude humor, where <laughs> okay. tons of drug references and like, but at the same time, it's never like overt. Like, it's clearly like the monkey is the one that does most of the drugs, but then like the CC, the female agent, is into it too, but not mm-hmm. to like life-destroying degrees mm-hmm. um elvis is against drugs um, okay and like they're like the howard hughes as their scientist when he's introduced uh and i think it's in the trailer or something or one of the trailers uh he is pissing in jars instead of in the bathroom yeah. of the massive spy plane they have yeah he would do that 
Yeah, they com- they comment on how, like, okay, that's really gross. He's your person in charge. And then later reveal, like, oh no, his piss is acidic because he experimented on himself. So he can't, <laughs> it's cheaper for him to piss in the jars. That's actually really funny. That's. And he's also got really I long, gross nails that he cannot cut due to those same experiments. Uh, Man, really small spoiler alert. Okay. Later on, the Howard Hughes character has Walt Disney's frozen severed head. Oh, that's awesome. I think I'm going to watch this show. It's 10 episodes. It's pretty good. Uh, the season overall takes like... Elvis isn't even officially an agent until the third episode. But okay. they do get to that moment where like... You know that f- picture where Nixon is shaking hands with Elvis and makes him a... Yes. Like... They're in the White House. Yeah. They do. They cover that. Oh, that's awesome. I kind of, I, when I was watching the trailer, I do remember I was like, oh man, this doesn't like, I was like, there there was a part of me that was like, ah, this kind of looks like same old, same old. But then there was another part that was like, wait a minute, this actually looks like kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. Basically what happened to me was I was like, all right, fuck it. I need to put something on. This is what came up. I, I guess, sure, fine, whatever. And the like five minutes of the first episode, I was like, "I Elvis is going around shooting people with a gun." Like I I don't know what, what I don't know what more I need in life, but this found what I wanted. And it's just like, it's one of those things too, where it's like, it's a good looking show. Like the animation looks cool, and it's like this country was built on two things in the 20th century, uh, the railroad and great cartoons. Yeah. Okay. Like America out of any other country, maybe second to like Japan, um, maybe has an amazing history of like cartoons. And like, I will never I also understand. cannot overstate how good Don Cheadle is. Like you you do not realize it's Don Cheadle. That's awesome. <laughs> I, no, and it's like, like if you're going to get this type of cast together, like I will never understand why. I understand that they're cheap to make, but like why some people make, like especially adult animation that just looks so shitty. It's like why, like if you're oh, going yeah, to... That never, it never looks shitty. It, that's... Like, if you're going to do that, if you're going to make an animated show, which is already expensive, like, why not? You, like, just make it look good. Like, I don't know. But that's cool. That's, damn. Yeah. I just started a new show, so, but I might. It's 10 episodes. They're, like, 30 minutes each. Okay. That's easy. You can cruise through it. And they left it on a really, they did the smart thing. Because it's mm-hmm. fucking Netflix, it's going to get cancelled in five minutes. Like, I'm surprised it yeah. hasn't been already. Um, But they left the season ending on a point where they could add more or not. That's good. I mean, so, okay, that's good. Uh, like, I, I t- you know, TV is designed to kind of almost never have a real finale, in a way. Um, so that's kind of par for the course. And, and has not received renewal yet. Why did they cancel Inside Job again? They just didn't. Because Netflix want to keep doing sucks it. balls, James. 
It was supposed to be different, RJ. It was supposed to be different than cable. Well, we were supposed to be... The reason Netflix canceled Inside Job is because literally anything that's not immediately a mass hit, it doesn't give a fuck about. That's fair. It does survive on its kind of, like, reality and uh, other shit. And, like, it honestly, is, yeah. Inside Job was working so well. They only I haven't seen they could have gotten season. away with one more season. Yeah, I mean, again, good-looking show, like fun to watch. You know, a little, a little derivative of both Gravity Falls and Rick and Morty, but still, like a fun, like and it's nice to just see. It, you know? it was derivative without being copycat, right? Like it found yeah. its own new thing. It did. It did. I, and I think uh, that's one of the things I like about Agent Elvis is it's its own new thing. It's not clone high where we're cloning celebrities to become super mm-hmm. agents and take over the world it's not uh like archer where it's just we're a spy agency yeah um, and it's not um oh what's another like it's like not another show. what like another adult animated yeah it's show. not like another like adult that. animated show where it's like oh we're just gonna include dirty crude humor because we're an adult show so we have to yeah yeah and it's like like again the you know those shows are successful and they survive and thrive because of their conceits like i mean their concepts you know like yeah like the the idea and each of them have this kind of two-tiered construction like you know uh clone high was really good because it is like a high concept um yeah it's got that initial concept it's like oh it's like a bunch of famous figures uh have been cloned and they're all going to school together as high schoolers you know that's that's a great pitch what makes that show really funny is that it's a parody like it's a parody and homage of like the high school shows at the time of the like early 2000s to the 90s like stuff like degrassi or like dawson's creek or something like that and it plays off that so you're getting kind of like two for one when you watch that show it's the same thing with archer it's like it's it's basically a workplace comedy at an intelligence agency at a spy agency that's funny that's like a really good idea it's not only the combination of these two ideas that like really work but it also gives you a jumping off point, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you with Archer, if you like spy shit, watch Archer. If you like workplace comedies, watch Archer. With mm-hmm. Clone High, if you like sci-fi bullshit, watch Clone High. If you like high school sh- drama sh- like shows that are like funny, watch Clone High. Mm-hmm. Inside Job, if you like workplace comedy, watch Inside Job. If you like uh, conspiracy theories, watch Inside Job. What would you say is Agent Elvis's kind of uh, two tiers? Agent Elvis is the spy thriller stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think I maybe sitcom. Okay. I, that's the best word I have for the moment of what it is, but it's that it's that comedy cast, right? It's like, mm-hmm. here's our cast of characters, and it's a comedy. So like you will know who these people are. They will grow and you will get to know them over the course of the thing. There's going to be the little hints of like, uh, the director makes weird sex comments. 
or the you eventually learn the monkey's backstory and how he got to where he is. Mm-hmm. No, that's. Uh, I mean, I kind of, I really kind of want to watch this show now. I'm not gonna lie. I think I probably will. Um, but yeah, excited. Agent Elvis. Heck yeah, love and it. <laughs> So much of it is just Elvis being Elvis, right? Like, I am mm-hmm. Elvis. I should have. Why don't I have my? Own, why don't I have my own submarine? <laughs> like, America is wonderful. Like, hoorah! <laughs> no, that is wonderful. He is a very sort of like classic. And I know there's obviously there's like you know controversy and a fair level of critique to levy at him for his music and stuff like that. But, um, which the show actually does address. Does it really? To a degree. Well, not, a, not an extensive degree, but to a degree. And they have to, they have to do that, but that's good. Well, like, uh, um, I mean, it's good that they do. Cause it's, it's like, Oh, Elvis stole music from black people. Right. Yeah. Basically. And that comes up and he's like, Oh, you should read this art, this jet magazine article. It'll explain a lot of things. <laughs> all right they don't go into the article at all and the next line is like why do you carry this article around <laughs> <laughs> okay i like that idea that's kind of funner yeah that's good that sounds like it's character-based comedy which is nice because yeah. you can easily see that show where it's like well let's just get elvis and have him say funny dumb shit and there's a monkey it's very character-based it's not like one note that's really good. So what do you got? All right. My recommendation is the 1986 classic comedy, Back to School, starring Rodney Dangerfield. Um, uh, for those who may not know, um, Rodney Dangerfield was kind of a famous comedian throughout the uh, 70s and 80s. Um, he had this note of... It, it, you might not know what he looks like, but you, you might. Um, he had this kind of style of this schlubby sort of like Borscht Belt comedian. Uh, he had this uh, tagline, this uh, catchphrase is basically, uh, I get no respect. I get no respect. And he's always like tugging at his necktie. He's kind of this like a little bit bigger dude with sort of like uh, kind of bulging eyes almost. Um, yeah. Like a strong nose, gray hair. And uh, kind of like a friendly and and like I don't know this is gonna be really mean uh, like a, a friendly looking guy and also like a funny looking one and by that I mean like yeah he's a little funny looking but he also looks like he would be fun and funny you know what I mean like he looks like he's kind of got this energy to him and uh, he obviously uh, six years prior he had starred or co-starred in a way uh, in the movie Caddyshack. Um, and this, uh, movie back to school is his own vehicle. He is the star of the show here. And the premise is essentially, um, running Dangerfield plays this, this character, uh, named Thornton Mellon, who, uh, through hard work, um, has become an incredibly successful, uh, essentially businessman. Uh, he owns a bunch of, uh, stores and, um, there's a there's a joke that's actually kind of funny uh, that he plays off, although um, not to be that guy. But this I 
this would probably not fly today, but maybe it's it very came out funny. In 86, though, so yeah, so he he basically owns a uh, he he owns a bunch of uh, big and tall stores, you know, <laughs> oh, so boy. clothes for essentially for like what he says are like fat people, and he uh, <laughs> he basically uh, uh, the the movie starts out with him uh, watching this like commercial uh for his like big and tall stores and uh he asks his limo driver you know he's like hey uh, you know do like do i look fat in this and the guy's like oh you can stand to lose a few pounds and the next scene is him uh he's he's like oh um he says something like uh, i gotta hire i gotta hire fatter people <laughs> he like the next scene cuts to him like walking through his office his boardroom and his entire office is just staffed with like really fat people. Oh my god! <laughs> so, so, so to make himself feel better, he just hired people bigger than he was. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but it's also kind of funny too because it's like the idea, and it it like kind of works in the context of the movie because okay, it's like, do you see a shot of the boardroom beforehand though? Like, do you see his employees beforehand? No, no, no. It like no. Oh, so it, it's just it implied goes... he's he's already got all these people hired. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's and it's kind of funny because like in the context, especially of like the boardroom, it's like uh, I guess it makes sense. Like the idea that like those people would probably know more than anyone, like what people would want to buy in a big and tall store. You know what I mean? So it's like I saw you shopped at one once or twice. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> <laughs> it might conceptually gel, but um, so the the humor can be very crude, but. I haven't even said what really the movie's about. So he's this very successful businessman. He basically decides to go back to college. He's kind of hit like, he hits a point, uh, a sticking point in his life. Like his wife leaves him. It's not really played for drama, but it's more just like, he just kind of, yeah, he kind of wants uh, something to do. And his son is going to uh, school oh, it's uh, at this one. college. Yep. And he, uh, he goes to see his son and 80s hijinks ensues. He he. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna he say gets too on much. Super secret double probation. In a way, yeah. He the 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 plot line evolves where it is basically Rodney Dangerfield as this kind of like sly, sly goofy. He fucks uh, around. He finds out. Risks getting kicked out. Reads off. Uh, he lists off a very inspirational poem, and they say, "You know what? We'll give him a second chance." That is actually almost kind of exactly what happens. <laughs> you know, you know your stuff, and not not quite, but but basically, it's actually it's a very well constructed movie, and um, uh, it does have stuff that is obviously outdated and sort of like out of touch. And I'm somebody like I do like to watch these movies in, as an artifact of their time, but there are some yeah. a few moments where I like do cringe, uh, like genuinely. However, overall really cool movie really fun movie um one of the things i really liked about this was like it's really easy with one of these comedy vehicles especially with rodney dangerfield who comes from at the time what was still kind of like a a style of comedy but isn't so much anymore like he he comes from a style of comedy that relied entirely on like very lean jokes and like punchlines like basically one line um his like that style has kind of like vanished for the most part like you still see it here and there but 
he come, comes from that era and he does it very well. There's some of his stuff that it's like, it's like, ah, that, that's funny. There's other stuff where it's like, wow, that's actually really funny. Like I'm, you, you laugh out loud. But what I'm trying to say is with that style of comedy to have a movie where someone like that is the main character, it could be very easy to basically be like, oh, well, we'll just put him in goofy situations. And he says these one liners and he mugs the camera and blah, blah, blah. And we'll kind of shit this movie out. And there it is. But the movie actually feels like genuinely constructed, well-made. And in the context of the film, like Dangerfield doesn't feel like a comedian. In my opinion, he didn't feel like a comedian playing a character. He his he felt like a character. He felt he like a, a character, character who would exactly who would like naturally do and say those things. And that was just his style, which I thought was like really cool and something I hadn't really seen before. And what's nice too is that he's like yeah, he's kind of like schlubby and dumb and like he likes girls and he likes, you know, he likes boobs and he likes beer and he likes this stuff. But he's also, he is genuinely like intelligent, like, yeah, like to like, he's like, like he was running a business like, well, he he's smart in that way, but he's like well-intentioned. Like he's not like gross necessarily or like, I don't know. Oh, like, I see what I, you're I saying. He likes the... very fun. He likes baser pleasures, but is not going out of his way to be necessarily malicious about it. Yeah, basically. Essentially, yeah. It's like, I can see where the guy's coming from, and maybe I don't endorse, like, everything that he's doing. Um, also, and there are when some was the movie made? The, yeah, exactly. It, so the it's movie like, was made in the 80s, and the main character is a guy who is not college-aged in the 80s. He's friggin' 40, 50, 60, whatever in the he's 80s. He's like 60 years old. Yeah. yeah. So he's from an even further back time period. Exactly. And it's like, and it's it's fun though. It's And uh, fun little fact, uh, the, it was actually shot at least partially on uh, the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So nice. uh, the Madison campus is used as the backdrop for a lot of the these scenes. Um, and yeah, take that from California. Um, yeah, I, I would I would recommend this one. Uh, I would not recommend this as like a date night or a watching uh, this with your family night. I would with recommend this bros. as like yeah, or even, yeah, like you, uh, yeah, like you want to. This is more of like a kickback. Like I don't know, have a beer, smoke a J, or just eat some like fast food and like watch a Rodney Dangerfield movie. Be you gross, know? watch comedy, enjoy life exactly exactly when i start a university i'm going to have that inscribed in latin over the gate <laughs> <laughs> students walk in there's gonna be a giant picture of danger field on the crest looking at you with those bugged out eyes yeah oh yeah nice i i, sh- I want to watch that because i remember we watched the like ending scenes in an uh, english class in high school once and i always liked that but I'm also a sucker yeah, for the poet society, so it's uh yeah, it's it's fun. I would I would recommend it. Also, I'm going to say like I I think I think the love interest in this movie is like absolutely gorgeous, and she's a good actor too. I thought so. How old um, is she? She was. 22 i think at the time of filming i think i could be wrong let me let me check 
Hold on. Hold on. Well, that's Hold one on. of those things to overlook as a product of its time when that was more of an accepted aspect in those movies. Oh, oh, no, no, no. No, she's what? a love interest for his son. Oh, he he, yeah, you should he, clarify he that. A, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm I didn't, sorry. I don't yeah, think the son so, is the main character, James. No, she's not. I'm sorry. So the... I should I should have been more clear. So she was she was 23 at the time, um, but she's the love interest for his son. He Got has it. a love interest as well, uh, but she is more age appropriate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know when it comes to everybody being above legal age, after everyone's legal age, age is kind of just a number. But also, power dynamics has vastly different life experiences. Yeah. No, there is something to be said for like a certain level of restraint and just kind of like reading the situation i would agree well do we want to do a rework rewrite or how to be a better buddy um i honestly saw the questions and i'm kind of stoked to answer some of these so Hell yeah. i would love to do how to be a better, be buddy, a better buddy where we give some real and some humorous advice our first question this week how do men feel about the phrase mansplain phrases mansplaining and manspreading uh i mean okay to be fair i think they act well as like descriptive words because i do think there are things that like happen but i also think these are words that can get easily abused yes so. i i'm with you on mansplaining manspreading i just is that you you live in a city with a actual subway car at least the yeah. one um is manspreading something that actually happens on like subways and buses and things i i honestly it, this is funny because i was like thinking about this for some reason like a week ago and i was like looking at people like no not really i mean those cars get like really tightly packed and usually if somebody is spreading out it's when the car is like empty i mean you'd be like a real asshole and it would be like it would be more uncomfortable for you to man spread than it yeah. would be like to not but to be fair, I have seen it before occasionally, and it like it's always a guy. Like it, there's never a girl who. I mean, um, there's the thing that girls do where they might have like a lot of bags and they put them down, but like I've never seen a girl like do that. So it, I suppose it does have purchase, but yeah, yeah. Because I know, like, out of my own personal experience with stuff like airplanes and stuff, I am like as pulled tightly in as I can because I don't want to impede anyone else's experience of the journey with even mm -hmm. the possibility of them brushing against my person. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel, I feel the same way. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I kind of treat myself the same way as well. Uh, so, and it doesn't help that I'm already a big guy to begin with. Like, I already take up more space to begin with of the average person, so it's like, okay, I'm gonna condense this down to as little as possible. Yeah, I feel I feel that to a degree. I'm like I'm not bigger, but I am like a little broad, like shouldered, so I, I kinda try to sort of squeeze in like just a little bit. But um yeah, I mean I think honestly like like a lot of that stuff that came out of the sort of like the very SJW intensive era between like 2013, 2014 and like, I'll say 2019. Yeah. Like some of it is sort of on point. Like the, there's a kernel of like truth there. It was just the execution that was like so poorly 
like handled. So a lot of those words became very like contentious for no reason, like at all. Um, I think the mansplaining one does have a little bit of more, like I'm a little bit more okay with that one. But mm-hmm. like, as you said, as long as it's being used appropriately, like yep. there is a difference yeah. between a guy explaining something because he thinks a woman just cannot possibly know anything. And mm-hmm. just a person not knowing what another person doesn't already know. And then the flip of it of getting so defensive that you assume someone's about to man like a guy's about to mansplain when no he actually does know more on this subject and is trying to be very nice um i just always think of the the like counter of it where it's like over defensive of one of the i think it's like one of the writers for the matrix or one of the like somebody who worked on the matrix was in a mm-hmm. Starbucks and overheard two people, two women discussing the Matrix and like arguing on it. And he leaned over and was like, Oh, um, I I can answer that if you'd like. And they started going off about how no, you don't need to mansplain. What could you possibly know? He's like, Oh, okay, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. And it's him on the like his name's on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's uh Yeah, that's the thing too. That's that's kinda like one of those uh, you know, be nice to everyone because anyone could be Jesus sort of stories. Um, yeah. It's kind of one of those things where I feel like, like, again, like I think. And I think the, I think um, the counter story to that one though, like the, the other side of that coin is the, mm-hmm. I've seen it more often with like, I've seen, the most often I've seen this with like research papers where yeah. somebody, like a woman is at a conference and gave a presentation. And afterwards, like somebody walked, a guy walked up to her and was like, you know, presentation was pretty good, but I don't think you fully understood this. You should read da 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 at all. And she moved her hair aside that mm-hmm. was covering her name tag, and it was da 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 at all. Like, she was the at all of at all. Yeah, that's funny, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is the thing, is that I, I think it is, like, a very, um, it is a very male impulse to go out and, like, correct things, you know what I mean? When they don't, <clears throat> when they don't need to be. Yeah. Or, like, when it's sometimes just better to sort of... I think that sometimes... Uh, that's kind of, like, what makes women both, like, wonderful, but also, quite frankly, like, terrifying. And also, sometimes, in my opinion, like, this is where their their greatest evil comes from, is the... is uh, Well, no, uh, let me explain here. Because the the man... Like, the, the, the core of mansplaining is also, like, where a lot of great things from like men come from like seeking stuff out and correcting it but that's also where great evil comes from right like yeah just greatness is the urge and curiosity to learn and answer questions yeah but then like that can lead to sort of like well now i can correct and control everything and it's like nope no that's not how life works um and like with women i think they they have like a different way to go about things where they will let you like embarrass yourself you know, like they won't, they will like, and this is the scary thing, honestly, about them is they will just let you like talk. And unless you're able to pick up on the vibe, like you will not know whether or not they are making fun of you or whether they are like sincerely or genuinely interested. Now, like oftentimes like picking up on the vibe is like easy ish. But that is like sort of the the like scary. I feel thing like I do it. need to throw out there historically, women have not been allowed to just outright make fun of people, though. 
No, but that's the thing is like they had to learn how to do it because like men are like emotional children and will just like beat the shit out of something if they get angry enough. So like they learn like, wow, these things are like self-destructive on their own. So if I just learn how to push the buttons, but make him think that he's doing it, then uh, then he'll either go away or like kill himself, basically. Well, you know, so it's like, well, not like that, but you know what I mean? Like, that's that's a little dramatic. But yeah, I mean, that's kind born of, the, of self-defense, uh, I think, is what we're getting at. It is. Yeah, this is I'm not saying this is not like uh, like oh yes like they're doing this like in the shadows and blah 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 and, you know they're gathering with their cosmos and their fucking oh, uh sex and city dvds but uh no like i think it's it's an acquired skill and there is something as well to be said for like um you know i'm talking a lot about like the bad parts of it but the great parts are the fact that like you know that is the same kind of like quality that creates like a beautiful garden you know what I mean? Like the ability to nurture something and like let it grow on its own while giving it like guidance here and there. Like that's like a genuinely beautiful approach towards life, you know, if yeah. handled correctly. And it's the authoritative men, versus authoritarian. Yes, exactly. I, I think men could like learn from that. So there you go. I just mansplained uh, <laughs> women's best qualities. <laughs> Yes, James. Yes, you did. Uh, right. Next question. Guys with facial hair, how often do you play with it? Uh, all the fucking time. Yeah, I used to play with it when I had it, too. You twirl the mustache? Mm-hmm. You, you, you gotta pick your corner. Which which side of the mustache is your typical twirl? I tend to go for my left side. I go for my right, usually. Uh, I, I do twirl both, but typically if I absentmindedly start twirling, it's the left side. I will also do the beard pet. Where you, like, take your one hand. Typically, I'll do it with my left, but sometimes my right. Take a hand, open, put on beard. Close hand as you move down to pet and sculpt beard. It's literally it's literally the whole, like, I am a man who is deep in thought stroking my chin. Yeah. But I have a beard to cover that chin and thus have more to stroke. Yeah, you probably look like a Midwest philosopher, dude. That's sick. I love that. Very academic. Thank you. Thank you, good sir. Uh huh. No problem, good sir. Yeah. Uh, next question. How does an 18 year old build credit? With the further details, what would be the best way to build credit in today's age? Um, so they usually say that you should uh, use your credit card to pay bills that are recurring consistently, but are like small amounts. So it's like they're easy to pay off all in one go. Um, take this from somebody who does have uh, like bills. credit card debt. Yeah. It's like not something you want. Um, no. It's not like mine isn't like bloated, but it is like, but it, I, you can I'm fall down, down that ravine real quick. Yeah, and the problem is that those companies will like tap you on the shoulder like every week, basically more than once a week, and they will basically just say like, uh, like, hey, do you want more credit? Just get another credit card. And, like, don't fall for that shit. Like, do not do it. Um, if you can get away with it, being a credit union, not a bank. Yes, I don't know what are the advantages of a credit union. So, credit union are typically smaller. 
Um, but they will work with a credit card company like Visa or MasterCard or whatever. Um, it's, and because it's smaller, it's also typically a little bit more of a, uh, hands-on approach mm-hmm. and a little bit more personable and a little bit less pushy. Like you're saying, Oh, you get once or twice a week credit card company. Be like, Hey, you want another one? I have never been asked. That's nice. And the card they give you is basically a credit card, but it's like, they do is full, it credit or it's full card? same services. What does that mean? So like, Credit, debit, auto loans, house loans, uh, education loans, uh, some financial planning options. That's cool. Yeah. I've always, I've had, I've been with uh, the local bank. I've been with Exonia for like ever. So I'll probably, I'll stay with them until I die, honestly. Yeah, I would I've, say either credit union or a lo- like a small bank would be my. Goal. I would put it out there if you really want to build credit, get a small credit card, something that you can't mm-hmm. rack up a fuck ton on. I think. Yeah. I think from like sixteen, no, maybe yeah, maybe sixteen, like sixteen. Till I was twenty, two, twenty three, mm-hmm. I had one credit card with a five hundred dollar limit. That's smart. That's and really smart. I never asked for it to be increased. I just dude. I never. It. I like. I literally got a credit card like a year ago. Like I usually use my debit card. I I think our society would be much better if we had debit cards only. Um, I think the concept um, of credit, like yes credit, no, I I have credit appreciated having a credit card. Credit cards make sense to me and they do come like in handy because sometimes you do just like you need some money and you just don't have it on hand. Like if I'm going to buy a plane ticket, I'd rather do it on my credit card where my bank isn't going to freak the fuck out. That's fair. It's just like, I I guess it's more the way it's used. I I hate how predatory it is and how like it's just accepted that that is like the nature of it. Like to me, that's kind of like insidious. Like, well... Even though we run the whole business and set everything up, nothing we can do about it. It's like, well, so no. as an eighteen-year-old, get a credit card with a low credit mm-hmm. amount, yes. and you don't have a ton of bills right now, right? You're an eighteen-year-old. Yeah. Buy your gas with it. That's your gas yeah. card. I guess use it to pay off your like Xbox Live, uh, like membership or yeah, those like, like put your Steam stuff on there, you know. The, the small amounts you'll pay off anyways and mm-hmm. stay on top of that shit. Like, yeah. make it a daily check if you have to of how much do I owe? Oh, here's the money. Mm-hmm. And try and, like, this is a good time to start building a budget to go alongside <laughs> building the credits so that you don't overspend on your credit. Yeah. Um, and make payments on time. That being said, you're yeah. 18. I would say probably work on getting a car loan. The reason I say car loan, you can get a small car loan to buy a used car. I mean, and frankly, with the way the used car market is today, you need a car loan. It's going to be a lot, but it's not going to be nearly as much as a college like debt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
whether you're going to college or not, you'll have this car loan for five, six, seven thousand dollars, an amount that you'll pay probably two, three hundred bucks a month on for the length of the loan. But in paying that loan, it will begin to build your credit score because it shows that you have a history of repaying your loans. Because credit scores fucking suck. Yeah, they will. If you do not have ones that are optimal, you will get bitten in the ass. As I understand credit scores, you have to build a credit history to show you have good credit and can pay off Mm -hmm. your loans. But if you don't have any loans that you're paying off, it becomes questionable of, well, why don't you have any loans? Why? Mm -hmm. What's going on? So even if you build up the good credit of paying off your loans, you begin to lose credit because you don't have loans. Yeah, it's... And again, it's sort of like that's that's the thing I don't like is like by design. It's it's not even like predatory. It's just like oh no, it is predatory. Uh, as I under, I was talking about it with a coworker the other day, credit scores were developed to help uh, with the segregation after slavery was ended. Uh, I believe it not quite immediately after slavery was ended, but it came out after I think it was after the redlining stopped was technically officially illegal. Okay. It was like, uh, in order to continue segregation without continuing segregation, uh, credit scores, housing tours, and uh, standardized testing were all kind of used as like, oh, we're going to use this as unofficial segregations. Disappointing. <sighs> Yay, history. Consistently, consistently disappointing. Well, hopefully we can leave that in the dust um, where it belongs because that attitude is, um, yeah, outdated to say the least. Yeah. So hopefully maybe maybe even with all the shit that's going on with the good old economy, you know, there is uh, maybe we'll be looking at some reforms. look, Look at it this way, though. Every, currently, everybody's being fucked over by credit scores and standardized testing. So, like... Yeah, even the banks who made them and the public school systems that administer them. <laughs> so, Self-destruction. Yeah. The yep. worst kind. Yeah. Say love Indeed. Well, I think that's it for this week. We hope you Sounds all learned good, something. Man. This episode yeah, of Better Buddies discussion. was brought to you by the letter C. And the number 738. It's a fake credit score. (laughs) Jokes are always funnier once you explain them. And throughout uh, throughout your own credit score, I was like, wow, this man cannot be tamed. No, I have no idea what my credit score is. Oh, you can look it up. Well, yeah, but I'm not going to live on air. I'm not that stupid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah, don't do it all. James, thank yeah. you for joining this week. Thank you for having me, RJ. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies. We have our Meme Mondays. We're on Twitter at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tube about the show. And our Gmail account is betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love, and or war 
icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on. Last but not least, be a better buddy. God damn the Soviet Union. Uh, Only the communists wouldn't brand their kids. <laughs> I just don't think it's very communists healthy communists have safe. no respect for the human body. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows it's good to have burn marks. You don't want to brand kids, these children? Look. Sounds like if you didn't want to, if to God didn't want us to brand children... He would have given them birthmarks with where they're supposed to go on it. <laughs> if God didn't want me to brand this child, why did he, he give us fire from doing it? <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is the whole reason. This is. <laughs> <laughs>